Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Chris Jennings. Today we have a special guest. We have John Pullman, a Ducks Unlimited magazine freelance contributor out of South Dakota. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, thanks, Chris. Pleasure to be here. Recently, you wrote an article called Secrets of a Successful Youth Hunt. I know a lot of people out there, uh, or actually we talk about, you know, youth hunts and the next generation of hunter. Um, you kind of dug into the weeds a little bit with this feature from November, December, and really, or actually it was from September, October of 2019. Um, you kind of dug into the weeds more on how to set up like the perfect youth hunt. What were some of the things that you picked up? you know, even starting out with, you know, preparing for the hunt. Well, yeah, and I, th- I think that's the key word there, Chris, is the preparation and that, uh, you know, just like, you know, it's, it's, I kind of think of it like, um, you know, when you're, you're training a dog that you, you want to make sure that they have, you don't want to throw anything new at them when you have, you take them out in the field for the first time, whatever, you know, and, and youth hunters are kind of the same way in all honesty that you want to, you want to have them prepared. Um, you don't want to have, uh, throw them any curveballs on that first day. You want to do everything that you can to make that experience as positive as possible and, and, and make it something that you know that gets the hooks in them and then makes them excited to go out again and so that you know and the people that i the different people that i talked to that was the thing that kept coming up over and over again was was doing some work beforehand to make sure it's it's uh in positive experience but and even beyond that make it as realistic as possible the things that they're going to encounter in the field you know spend some time working on those before you get out there no that's a great idea and in and you have two young boys, correct? I do. I have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. And my eight-year-old actually came out with me for the first time this year, just kind of as an observer, not hunting yet, but he came along for the first time this year. So. And that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, I have a four-year-old and six-year-old little girls, and they went with me this year for the first time. But they, obviously, they're not shooting. Um, you know, was that something that came up in this story as well um, as you talk to other people, like the variance on what age are you getting people into shooting? Yeah, you know, I think it's it's something. It, obviously, I think it depends on every situation is different. You know, um, my son Miles, he's eight. He he has shown a growing interest in um, in shooting and in hunting. Um, we've been taking things really slow. I haven't been trying to force anything on him. I want it to be something that he wants to do and wants to come along and do. And so um, he actually, um, you know, we started planking around at the twenty-two here about a year ago. Most recently, he is he's just shown an interest in in wanting to do more of that. So uh, one night a week we go and shoot uh shoot targets at a local gun club inside and um you know just these little baby steps in, in progress and again just trying to make it as fun as possible for him and and we don't spend a lot of time doing these things but just again just to kind of get him he's it's it's kind of it's piqued his curiosity a little bit he wants to learn more about it you know he hears me talking about about hunting and shooting all the time and so i but i think it really it depends on a, a per child basis some kids might be ready when they're a little bit younger some might be ready when they're a little bit older but i you know as a parent i think um you know i felt comfortable at that you know at that time at eight years old he was showing an interest and then and that you know we we like i said took out the 22 first because it's uh, probably the easiest thing to start with and and we went from there but you know, he, like I said, his interest in hunting is, is just kind of starting and he's showing more and more interest in wanting to go along. And, you know, like the something we had this fall, um, I wasn't planning on taking him out, which <laughs> caused a few, caused a few issues that the next morning, but he, uh, you know, I told him I was going duck hunting the next day and he said, dad, can I go along? 
Mm-hmm. How do you say no? You know, I said, well, you know, we'll yeah, you we'll, can't say we'll, no. We'll figure it out, you know. So he came along, and uh, you know, it was one of those things where if we'd had a little more time, we could have prepared a little bit differently, and and maybe uh, changed a few things that happened. But he had a he had a good time about it. He had some good stories when we came home. That's awesome. Yeah, I had a very similar situation to where um, you know my daughter really wanted to go, and so but we we did more of the planning side of things. I probably told them three or four days in advance that we were going and uh, it was on the youth hunt uh, and the veteran hunt in Arkansas this year. And my wife, who's also a veteran, was hunting with me as well. And we spent uh, quite a bit of time just talking to them about what was going to happen. You know, the process of, you know, we're going to set decoys. I think that was their favorite part was throwing decoys. They love that. Um, but But it was fun to see their reaction and to see, um, when we did shoot, um, granted we didn't shoot out of duck cause we didn't even have any near us, but I wanted them to hear the guns and, and they had hearing protection on, which I think is something you mentioned in the article as well. But, um, with that first time the gun goes off and they're in and we were in a pit blind, so it is a little louder. So I was kind of expecting my four-year-old to be a little, little shook up with it. And man, both of their eyes got big and they were just like, wow, this is awesome. Let's keep doing it. I was like, Hey, you follow in line just with me. I like to pull the trigger. It's awesome. You know, my first shot that morning we were out there, I um, I had a flock of blue wing teal come in and uh, picked one out. And when I shot, I hit a, hit another one behind it. So I got two in one shot. And, you know, my son is back behind me a little ways. And he goes, awesome, Dad. Does that always happen? I'm like, yeah, of course it does. You know, <laughs> I always get two in one shot. So, no, it was, it was a blast. Did you tell him you're just trying to save money on ammo? Yeah, so you tell him you're trying to save money? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's perfect. So let's talk about the safety aspect of this and some of the things that you picked up from this feature. Uh, was there any really cool like tip that someone mentioned about, you know, keeping everything safe in the blind with the kids? Oh, you know, I think the, um, uh, Ronald Robertson, the gentleman I spoke from Mississippi, you know, he's uh, the thing that, that he mentioned that um, kind of a different way of looking at it was, having enough adult help along on these, you know, for the actual hunt itself, making sure that you have enough adults in the blind um, to keep a close eye on these kids. You know, some of these kids that may be their second or third time handling a gun, um, you, you just never know what, what level of, of uh, familiarity they have with it. So having the adults along that can really just be be on the spot and, and monitor these kids and make sure that they're, you know, keeping their safeties on and their muzzles are pointing in a safe direction. And to kind of go along with that, he said, you know, that the thing that, that really helps then is to plan this hunt like on a youth day when there aren't other, you know, when there aren't any other hunting opportunities going on, you know, where the adults, where they are simply there as observers. And I, and I think most adults would do that anyway. But if you, if you plan a hunt on a special youth only weekend, you're probably going to be able to find more adult hunters to come along and, and help monitor things uh, just because there isn't a hunting season going on for them. So that, that to me was the key um, was, was having those adults along and then it kind of goes back to what we mentioned first about about um, you know practicing what they're going to see in the field and and the one uh, the one situation that comes up is you know we do a lot of hunting up here in the Dakotas out of layout blinds you know whether we're on a slough edge or in a cornfield or a wheat stubble or whatever it is and that's a unique for folks that have shot out of those it's a it's a unique experience it's not something that uh, it takes them getting used to sitting up in the blind and you know and so if if you know if you're going to be shooting out of something like that practice with those kids uh, you know out of getting sitting up out of those layout blinds throw clay pigeons or whatever but if if nothing else just have them practice 
flipping the blind doors open, getting those barrels up, you know, uh, where they're going to hold the gun, where the barrel's going to be while they're in the blind, you know, and then how they're going to sit up and, you know, click off the, the, the safety and, you know, get the target, whatever. So it's making it as um, monitoring their, you know, monitoring them as, as shooters, but then also, like I say, go through the motions before you get out there so that none of this is a surprise when they get out there. Yeah, you don't want to surprise someone who's, who certainly not expect, you know, doesn't have any expectation of, of what they're getting into. And even in that, and I think one thing to point out that also um, comes into, you know, one of the other tips here is, is the gear, uh, putting someone in waders and uh, forcing them to just, all right, we're going to march out to this blind or go out and walk into this area. Um, someone who's never been in waders, it can be disastrous. And I say that speaking with our uh, fantastic producer of the podcast, uh, Clay Barrett, he's had many, many experiences where he's uh, ended up face down in the water because he wasn't quite as experienced in waiting <laughs> as some other people. So, yeah. Um, but so, so what did you get into with the gear? You know, um, when you, you were talking to these guys about getting different types of gear for kids and, and getting them into that gear and getting familiar with it, because that's one thing too, just being familiar with the gear. Yeah. You know, and that, yeah, that's something that Tony Vandemort and I talked about. He's taken a lot of kids out on hunts in North Central Missouri at his place. And, and his big thing was that, you know, the, the, the gear that's available for kids today is so much better than what we had growing up, you know, just from clothing and, and like you said, waders, you know, the guns themselves are, are a little more situated for younger shooters. Um, but you know, on the clothing side of things, the, the, when you're not wearing such bulky, you know, you know, bulky clothes. I mean, I remember what I wore going out when I was, you know, when I first started hunting and I was, you know, wearing a pair of, oversized cargo pants from the army surplus store and, you know, and, and a big bulky jacket. And it just, it, you know, the, the, the things that they have now are so much geared toward their, you know, for kids, they fit better. And then that just, like Tony said, that allows them to, their gun is going to fit better and it's going to give them a better chance to, um, you know, to acquire a target and, and, and have success and actually maybe down a bird, you know? So, I mean, if, if you've got the chance to, get the gear that's situated or that's designed for those four young, four young hunters, because it's just going to help them out in the long run. Yeah. And they'll, and they'll enjoy the experience much more if they're comfortable and, and can move around. Um, but you know, that gear also, and, and I'll go back and just say that I'm assuming that, uh, both of your sons are, you know, completely outfitted in the, the latest <laughs> and greatest in Gore-Tex gear, right? Well, we're getting there. <laughs> the problem is, is that as a father yourself, you know, that they change their sizes so often that you kind of, uh, you know, um, we, yeah, uh, that was one of the, that was one of the problems that I had opening morning with my son is that I didn't, I wasn't quite prepared on the clothing side of things. So he got a little wet and it didn't it impacted his, his, uh, his experience that morning, but they do have their fair share of camouflage now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I did the same thing. I, I struggled with that. Luckily we were in a pit blind. So that changes the dynamic as in that we're not in full camo and they don't need all this, you know? So they had some, some pretty random uh, duck hunting gear on that day, but, but it made it work. The Ducks Unlimited Expo, May 15th, 16th, and 17th, 2020 at the Texas Motor Speedway in Fort Worth, Texas. Interactive villages, shooting, archery, dogs, fishing, kayak, canoe, 4x4 off-road tracks, ATV, UTV track, industry experts, demonstrations, exhibitors, and more. The Ducks Unlimited Expo, everything outdoors. The ultimate playground for the outdoor enthusiast. The Ducks Unlimited Expo. Visit www.duckexpo.com. Thank <laughs> you.
One thing you kind of hint on it a little bit with the gear side, but you know, the weather, um, as duck hunters, we kind of pride ourselves on, on being able to face the most difficult conditions and, and whether it's raining or snowing or slating, we're still going. Um, what did you hear from people that you talked to about, you know, the youth hunt and, and how the weather can impact that? Yeah, you know, we're, we're lucky up here, like in the Dakotas, uh, Minnesota, Nebraska, where our youth hunts, you know, the, the specified days, the one or two day seasons that we have for, for kids are early in the fall when the weather's a little more temperate. Uh, you're not dealing, generally, you're not dealing with super cold conditions. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's a positive, you know, these, it's, it's, um, you want to get out there when the weather is, is not going to be too much of an issue. And obviously it could rain, it could be windy, things like that. But the thing that really gets kids is that they get cold and, uh, and they want to get warm up. And so, um, and so we, we benefit from that up here in the Dakotas, you know, further South, um, you know, other places that, you know, you just kind of have to take a few extra steps to, to kind of mitigate the impact of the weather, you know, whether that's shoving hand warmers in their pockets or, or, you know, like a, like a couple of people in the article mentioned that, you know, using permanent blinds that give you the, the opportunity to get them out of the elements a little bit, um, that you can have some space heaters in there to keep them warm. It gives them a chance to be able to move around a little bit and shuffle their feet and whatnot. And so, you know, if, you, if like I say, up here in this part of the flyway, we benefit from having our youth days at the beginning of the season when it's usually pretty warm and, and, and not too bad outside. But the further south you go, if those seasons take or those, you know, youth days take place a little bit later in the season, just again, make sure you've got your kids outfitted to handle the, handle the temperatures and the weather. Um, and like I say, shove hand warmers in their pockets, make sure they have warm clothes on, some hot chocolate in the thermos, whatever. And if you can get them inside, get them into a, a permanent blind situation where they can get in out of the elements a little bit. It doesn't always work out that way, but if you can do it, that's probably optimum. Yeah, no, that, that is a, that's a great little tip to just, if you can avoid the weather at all, do it. I think I probably would have been a little hesitant, you know, with my girls. It was, I think it was like 64 degrees when we went for the youth hunt in Arkansas and, uh, both of my girls still had hand warmers in their hands. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yep. that's, uh, but yeah, you know, I thought about that when you mentioned that you're, you know, you and your son went and I thought, man, I'm thinking South Dakota. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm it's gotta be frigid up there, but I guess your season <laughs> opens up so early that yeah. it's, it probably does have its, uh, have its, has its warm days. Um, you know, kind of the last thing that you mentioned with this article was the, uh, keeping it fun. Um, you talked to all these people about that and, and what they were doing. What were some of the things that, that you did with your son to kind of keep it fun? Well, you know, we kind of, the morning that we went out, um, it was, I, I, I made a short walk, um, in the back of my mind when, you know, the night before and I was doing some scouting, I, I had an inkling that he knew where I wanted to go along. And so I tried to pick a place that was easy for us to get into. And, uh, when we got out there, um, I, you know, went out and threw out the decoys. He didn't have waders on, but he had some, uh, some, uh, kind of knee boots on. So he could kind of get out in the water with me a little bit. And then in all honesty, the best part of the morning was I got the decoys out and I came back and I just sat next to him, um, while the sun was coming up and, um, you know, we just started talking about things and our, you know, my, our dog was there, but our lab was there and he's, you know, searching around and, and his ears are perked up and he's just watching the things come, you know, the, the marsh come to, come to alive in the morning. And, you know, my son and I just sat there and talked a little bit about what was going to happen and what we were going to see. And, and, um, I told him, you know, we're going to hopefully pretty soon we start to see some ducks flying around the marsh. And I said, when you, um, uh, listen, when they fly over, cause sometimes when you get a flock of ducks that flies over, it kind of sounds almost like an airplane or a fighter jet, you know, when they're, when they fly over, you're really low and not 
30 seconds after that, here comes a little squ- uh, squadron of teal, and they zip right over our heads. And it sounds, again, you know, just like it, that air ripping through their primaries. And it's just that that sound of a flock of ducks. And his eyes got, you know, as big as saucers, you know. And when we um, when we got home that, that uh, after the hunt that day, I, um, I was taking care of some stuff outside and, and uh, I let him go inside to talk to my wife about the morning, whatever. And when I came in, he was telling her stories about what had happened that morning. And uh, the thing that, that, that he said, the, one of the first things he told her was, and mom, do you know that ducks can sound like airplanes? You know, I mean, he, he, it was just one of those things that I'll, I'll never forget. You know, and so that was the best part of the morning for me was just sitting there, um, having a talk with him, being able to point things out. You know, we saw great blue herons and we heard pheasants cackling out in the distance and we heard ducks. And and um, we didn't honestly, we hunted maybe for a half an hour and he got cold and we just said, you know what, I that was that's like rule number one. If 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 the kids say it's time to go and they're ready to go, it's ready. It's time to go. And um, you want to make it as positive as an experience as possible so that they want to go out and do it again. And, um, you know, it it, uh, it was just it was a great morning. I'll never forget it. Just that comment, like I said, when we came back home, Mom, do you know that ducks can sound like airplanes? I knew he 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 learned something that morning. It was just it was great. That's awesome. That's a that's certainly a memory of a lifetime. And that's one thing, you know, with my girls this year, it wasn't um it wasn't, I, I actually knew we probably weren't going to be shooting at any ducks. Um, so we, you know, they got on the calls and they've, that was one of the things that they liked. They each had their own duck call and they blew it, blew it. And they, they actually thought that it, it, it was the funniest thing ever. I, and my <laughs> wife and I just sat there and laughed because one of them would blow the call and the other one would just like belly laugh until it was, you know, just like, oh my gosh, we just sat there and giggled at them because they, and then they also caught frogs, you know, in the, in the, uh, yeah. in our pit blind, there was a little bit of water and there was quite a few frogs. And, and it was funny to see these two little girls kind of poking a stick. They started out like trying to move their feet away from the frogs. And then they got a stick and they kind of poked a stick at the frog. And then by the time we were leaving, they both had frogs in their hands and they're like, we're going to bring yeah. this home. I'm like, nah, <laughs> let's not bring it home. But yeah, keeping it fun, um, you know, and it is something that is, you know, makes the lifetime memories. I mean, that's something yeah. that, um, that you'll never forget. something that I'll never oh. forget. And I know, uh, one more question, like what's the, what's the next step? You know, you don't go on your first or you take kids on their first hunt and then, is there a transition period? I mean, do you look at it as, you know, all right, you know, my son went on his first hunt this year, you know, next year we're going to try. Is it a very slow process that you're trying to bring him in? It is, it, it is for me, but that's just kind of going back to, you know, I think it's just what I recognize that what my son needs, you know, and, 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 you know, it's something where um, I know the day will come. I, it may, it may not come, but I kind of, I, as a dad, I, and as a hunter, I hope it comes but where he's going to want to be out there with me every day, um, and, and, and go all the time. And, and, uh, and so, but I, I know for something like that to happen, it's going to have, it has to happen on his terms. And, uh, you know, he's got other interests and he's got other things going on too right now. And so we'll, um, you know, next year, um, early in the season, we'll try to get out, uh, you know, a few more times. Um, I am looking at trying to get a, a, um, uh, an A-frame blind that we can take along with us next year to make it a little bit more of a comfortable situation for him and so that he can move around a little bit and maybe like, you know, get out of the elements and, and, and kind of imitate what, what you guys have down south a little bit. Um, but yeah, you know, he's, he's, he keeps talking about, about wanting to go. 
and and uh, I know it, it'll be it'll be baby steps, and that's the way it was for me when I was growing up. You know, um, I bothered my brother until <laughs> so many times until he finally took me out, and and uh, you know we went out a few times, and then it turned into becoming you know best hunting buddies and and going out all the time, and and uh, and and that's the approach I'm taking with with my son Miles. Cool. Yeah, that's that's very important. And, and one thing that you hit on there is is every kid is different. Um, yeah. You know, you may have a kid out there who's shooting at six. Um, yeah. I, personally, there's no way that I would be, you know, have my kid shooting. But that's it's every, you know, your parent knows the kid. And um, and, and that's an, a very important thing to do. And, and, and then also another thing to keep in mind, we were talking about, you know, the successful youth hunt is um, what this message is about. But but taking someone hunting who's not necessarily a kid is also something that you kind of follow these same steps. You know, someone who's not, who's never been duck hunting before, they kind of want to get into it. They're kind of flirting. And it could be, a, it could be, you know, a 50 year old man. Um, but I think you, you kind of want to follow these same steps. Am I wrong in thinking that? No, I think absolutely. And I think in all honesty, as uh, it is, there's probably even more intimidation to getting into it as you get older, um, just because of, of uh, you know, maybe, you know, you, you feel like you should know more about it than you do or whatever. But yeah, I think the, the steps are the same. You take it slow, you education comes first and, and preparing and preparing these people for, uh, for the experience. And, and not, like I said before, not throwing them any curveballs when they get out there, try to get them as comfortable with things before they get in the field. And yeah, you take it slow. And, uh, and, and it's, you know, something that I think Tony Vandemore hinted in the article that, you know, for any first time hunter, the, the success is going to be measured in their eyes. It's not going to be measured in mine. It's not going to be measured in anybody else's. And they may enjoy just being out there and, you know, seeing cardinals in the, in the buck rush or, or, or hearing pheasants in the distance or whatever it is, you know, it, it success for that, for a, a, a first time or a young hunter, it really probably isn't going to be measured by the number of the birds in the bag. And so it's something that, uh, you know, that you want to put them in the best position possible to have a positive, fun experience. And then let, and, uh, you know, they will, they may find enjoyment in, in things that are different than, than what you find enjoyment in. And that's all right. It's, it's the, the most important thing is and the future of, uh, of waterfall hunting depends on it is getting people involved in it and getting the next generation involved in it. Um, is so that, 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 you know, waterfall hunting, uh, waterfall hunting continues on, you know, forever. I mean, that's, that's the key. Yep. That's right. And I'm glad you hit on that. That's one thing that we talk about here on this podcast, whether it's even relating back to uh, banding data, hunter reported information, you know, hunters, hunter involvement in waterfowl research and management and conservation is so important. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about that a lot. So, and this is the baby steps, you know, and also from an organizational perspective, we're always talking about the next generation, the next generation we're, you know, conserving things for the next generation, but you need the next generation of conservationists as well. And that's where this comes in. And if anyone wants to check out the, uh, the article, it's called the secrets of a successful youth hunt. And you can dig into that on ducks.org. Uh, you can find it there right now. It's probably uh, featured in one of the, uh, one of the hunting sections. Uh, but John, I appreciate you joining me here and this has been fantastic, educational, and, uh, I really do appreciate it and hope you can come back on sometime very soon. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. I'd like to thank John Pullman, Ducks Unlimited Magazine freelance contributor for joining us today on this show to talk about his feature, uh, the secrets to a successful youth hunt. It's a very important process and for conservation for Ducks Unlimited and obviously for waterfowl. 
I'd like to thank my producer, Clay Baird, for doing a great job putting this podcast together. I'd like to thank you, the listeners, for one, listening, and two, for supporting Wetlands Conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. Ducks.